Welcome back to another episode of Americanism's podcast. I'm your host, Thomas. Today, we'll be reading a story out of the book A Treasury of North American Folktales, compiled and annotated by Catherine Peck. Today's story is called Annie Oakley Makes Her Name. In this book, there's always a brief introduction before the story. I'm going to read the story once through, and then I'm going to go back and break down the vocabulary and explain any interesting details. If you'd like, after the vocabulary section, you can go back, rewind, and listen to the story again. This way, you'll understand the vocabulary within the context of the story. Annie Oakley makes her name. Introduction. Annie Oakley was born in 1860 in Ohio, and by the age of six, she was using a rifle to hunt for food. At the age of 25, she joined Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. I have an episode on that as well. And traveled throughout the United States and Europe, demonstrating her uncanny talent as a markswoman. Thrilling tales of her exploits with the rifle vary in details as proper folktales always do. In some stories about Annie's contest with her future husband, Frank Butler, the element of mystery about her gender is missing. This story, though, is much more entertaining than those. Okay, here's a story. Late in the afternoon on a day in spring of the year 1865, the manager of the Gibson House in Cincinnati, Ohio, waited impatiently as Jesse Jago tossed the lines, sheathed his rifle, and began his impressive descent from the Martin and Chenoweth stage. The ritual over, he approached the driver. Jesse, he said, is that A. Oakley still up in Greenville? Yup, Jesse said. Be sending more quail any day now from what I hear. Never mind about the quail. Can you get him up here? What for? Jesse asked. In answer, the manager produced a four-sheet poster announcing in circus-style letters the appearance of Frank Butler, world champion rifle shot. Ever hear of this fellow? The manager asked, gesturing to the poster. Reckon I have, Jesse said. You know, he has a standing offer of $100 to anybody who can outshoot him. Has he now? Jesse said, stroking his chin. That's right. And what's more, I've already bet him another $100 that I know a fella who can beat him. Words all over town. Everybody's betting on the Oakley fella. Can you get him to come up? What sort of match? Rifle. Best out of a hundred. I'll fetch A. Oakley, providing one thing. The match goes on regardless of Oakley's age or size or looks. I don't care what he looks like. He can shoot. That's all we care about. Oakley will be there Saturday. Never was there such a crowd on hand to greet the Greenville stage as there was that Saturday. Quail, shot through the head, had been the talk of Cincinnati for months. Word of it had passed up and down the river, and now it seemed that everyone was at the Gibson house for a coming out of A. Oakley. No one waited for Jesse Jago's ceremonious descent. 
Eager hands pulled open the coach door. There were two passengers, an alert, athletic-looking man and a young woman. Quickly, the male passenger was hoisted to several pairs of broad shoulders. Necks were craned and excitement ran high as the crowd closed in. It was some time before the protesting stage passenger could explain that there'd been some mistake. He was Oliver Toth, correspondent for Leslie's Weekly. And what was going on, anyhow? The lithe, willowy girl, who had also come in the stage, approached the center of excitement. A plaid skirt hung nearly to her ankles. A sunbonnet framed her finely chiseled face. There were tiny crow's feet alongside a pair of extraordinarily bright hazel eyes. The young lady addressed the man who was making the most commotion. I beg your pardon, she said. I reckon I'm the one you're looking for. My name's Annie Oakley. A roar of protest went up from the crowd. The quick thinkers rushed to cover their bets. The others surged around the manager of the Gibson house, demanding that the match be called off. Jesse Jago came up then, and for once, he had forgotten to sheathe his rifle. He handled it casually, almost carelessly. The hubbub died. Jesse spoke softly, as he always did. One of the conditions of this match was that it goes on exactly as scheduled, no matter what A. Oakley looked like. There was a sharp protest, but it died quickly as Jesse made a particularly careless gesture with his rifle. Get your gun, Annie, he said. The rest of the story is still told on winter nights when men are fondly cleaning their favorite rifles. The little girl from Backwoods, Ohio, fired shoulder to shoulder with the world's champion rifle shot, scoring hit for hit. On the last round, the 100th, Frank Butler missed. Annie Oakley never missed. The end. Please excuse the changed audio sound. I recorded one half in the countryside where it was more quiet. And now I'm back in the city and I'm in a smaller room with a little bit more echo. I hope you still can follow along just fine. Okay, so to start, we have the introduction, which is not part of the story, but is Breaking down the story, explaining the story, Annie Oakley was born in 1860 in Ohio. Ohio is a state. And by the age of six, she was using a rifle to hunt for food. So she had a gun, a firearm, and she would hunt to hunt. So to go looking for wild animals to eat. At the age of 25, she joined Buffalo Bill's Wild West show and traveled throughout the United States and Europe, demonstrating her uncanny talent as a markswoman. Uncanny means strange, mysterious. So it, it was strange how good she was at shooting the rifle. Thrilling tales of her exploits with the rifle vary in details, as proper folktales always do. Thrilling tales. Thrill is exciting. You know, maybe a little bit scary. Thrilling tales of her exploits. So her exploits is a noun. It's not a verb here. It's a noun, and it means a courageous thing or a bold thing that somebody did. 
Note here that exploit, the verb, spelled the same way, means to take advantage of somebody. So there's two different pronunciations. One is the noun, exploit, or exploits, and one is the verb, exploit. So the stress is exploit for the noun and exploits for the verb. Vary in the details. Vary means to change or to be different. In some stories about Annie's contest with her future husband, Frank Butler, the element of mystery about her gender is missing. So what does that mean? It means that in this story, the story is written so you don't, so you can't tell if Annie Oakley is a man or a woman. This story, though, is much more entertaining than those. Now for the story. Late in the afternoon on a day in spring of the year 1865, the manager of the Gibson House in Cincinnati, Ohio, waited impatiently as Jesse Jago tossed the lines, sheathed his rifle, and began his impressive descent from the Martin and Chenoweth stage. So that sounds complicated. It's really not. So there's a manager at the Gibson House. It's a hotel. The Gibson House. Waited impatiently. So not patiently. Like possible, impossible. As Jesse Jago tossed the lines and began his impressive descent. So coming down off the fancy stagecoach. Martin and Chenoweth is just a name. And stage is a stagecoach. So this is before they had cars. So this is like with the horses pulling the, it's called a, a horse and buggy or a stagecoach. So he threw down the lines that were connected to the horses, sheathed his rifle, means cover it up. The ritual over, he approached the driver. Jesse, he said, is that A. Oakley still up in Greenville? Yep, Jesse said. Be sending more quail any day now from what I hear. Never mind about the quail. Can you get him up here? For what? Jesse asked. Notice, can you get him up here? For what? Jesse asked. In answer, the manager produced a four-sheet poster announcing in circus-style letters the appearance of Frank Butler, world champion rifle shot. So a four-sheet. What does that mean? Four-sheet poster is just a big piece of paper. World champion rifle shot. So he's the best He's the world champion, the best rifle shot. Ever hear of this fellow? Fellow. Man, person, usually man though. You ever hear of this fellow? The manager asked, gesturing to the poster. Gesturing. Gesture means to point or to direct someone's attention towards. So he gestured to the poster. Poster. Reckon I have. Reckon. To think that. To believe so. I reckon I have. You know, he has a standing offer of $100 to anybody who can outshoot him. So, if you can shoot better than Frank Butler, the offer is you win $100. And that's standing, meaning it's still happening. No one's been able to do it, so it's still standing. To anybody who can outshoot him. What does outshoot mean? Outdo, outshoot, outeat, outmatch means to be better than or to do more than. Stroking, rubbing. Hmm, he's thinking. That's right. And what's more, I've already bet him another hundred dollars that I know a fella who can beat him. 
So that word fellow again, but this time he says fella. It's just a more simple way of saying it. It's not technically correct, but people do say it, especially in folktales. Words all over town. What does that mean? It's like people are talking. The word. People are talking about it all over town. Everybody's betting on the Oakley fella. Again, notice Oakley fella. That's a man. We'll find out soon. Can you get him to come up? So, yeah, he's trying to get A. Oakley, who he thinks is a guy, to come. And he says, what sort of match? What's the rifle contest going to be? How is it going to be played? He says, rifle, best out of 100. Each person will shoot 100 times. The best result wins. I'll fetch, I mean, I'll go get, I'll fetch A. Oakley, providing one thing. The match goes on regardless of Oakley's age or size or looks. So providing, providing, meaning just one thing, you know, providing you do this one thing, then you can get the cookie. So it's like a stipulation. I don't care what he looks like. He can shoot. That's all we care about. Okay, pretty straightforward. Oakley will be here Saturday. Oakley. So Oakley, O-A-K-L-E-Y, apostrophe L-L, meaning Oakley will. But you can do that with names. You can say Michael be here. Not Michael be here, but Mike will be here or Mike will be here. Jen will come to the party if, he, if she has enough time. Stuart will talk to you. I'm sure he will. You get the point. Never was there such a crowd on hand to greet the Greenville stage as there was that Saturday. On hand, meaning there. And there was a crowd, a bunch of people. They wanted to see who, what's going on. Quail, shot through the head, had been the talk of Cincinnati for months. So... Quail, the bird, shot through the head. This just means the bet of rifle, best out of a hundred, is referring to how many quail out of a hundred, each one will try to shoot a hundred, through the head. Hunting, basically. It had been the talk of Cincinnati, so everyone was talking about it. Word of it passed up and down the river, and now it seemed that everyone was at the Gibson house for the coming out of A. Oakley. So word of it, the rumor, the talks, people were talking about it up and down the river. And now it seemed that everyone was at the Gibson house for the coming out of A. Oakley. So everyone was excited. They wanted to see who was going to come out and show up. Who was going to beat Frank Butler, this A. Oakley everyone had talked about. No one waited for Jesse Jago's ceremonious descent. So no one, no one cared about Jesse Jago. They just cared about A. Oakley. Eager hands pulled open the coach door. There were two passengers, an alert, athletic-looking man, and a young woman. So eager hands, eager, they want to do something. So these hands are pulling. They just want to see who it is, right? There were two passengers. When you're in a vehicle, a car, a plane, whatever, you're a passenger. So an alert, alert meaning awake. There were two passengers, an alert, athletic-looking man, and a young woman. Quickly, the male passenger was hoisted, meaning lifted up, to several pairs of broad shoulders. Broad means wide, like Broadway is a big street in New York or in a lot of places. It's broad, it's wide. Necks were craned and excitement ran high as the crowd closed in. So necks were craned, meaning they were stretched out like the bird, the bird crane. Cranes have long necks. So necks were craned and excitement ran high. 
excitement ran high. I mean, everyone was really excited. As the crowd closed in, so everyone got closer and closer and closer, it closed in. It was some time before the protesting stage passenger could explain that there'd been some mistake. So everyone went around the man because they thought it was a man. And he, he said, he said there's some mistake. He was Oliver Toth, correspondent, so a journalist, for Leslie's Weekly, a magazine. And what was going on anyhow? So he was a journalist. He didn't totally understand what was going on. All of a sudden, the lithe, willowy girl who had come in on the stage approached the center of excitement. Lithe. What does lithe mean? It just means thin, uh, especially about women. Willowy. Again, it's a, it's a synonym for lithe. So, you know, a thin woman, slender. She approached the center of the excitement, so she came right in the middle. A plaid skirt hung nearly to her ankles. Plaid is the design, it looks kind of like a checkerboard, like a lumberjack shirt. You can look up a plaid shirt or plaid skirts. A sunbonnet framed her finely chiseled face. Sunbonnet is just a hat, so but it's especially for women. It's an old kind of an old-timey hat. So a sunbonnet framed, like a picture frame, it framed her finely chiseled face, meaning finely chiseled. She wasn't fat. She had nice sharp lines on her face. There were tiny crow's feet alongside a pair of extraordinarily bright hazel eyes. Crow's feet. So crow is a bird. A really annoying black one. Crow's feet are when you have the wrinkles, when you smile and the wrinkles come out from the corner of your eyes. That's crow's feet. Alongside, next to, a pair of extraordinarily bright hazel eyes. Hazel is a type of eye color. It's kind of between greenish, grayish, brownish. It's a very interesting eye color. The young lady addressed the man who was making the most commotion. Commotion. He was being very loud, and so she went up to the guy being the loudest. She says, I beg your pardon. Excuse me, basically. I reckon, I think that, I reckon I'm the one you're looking for. My name's Annie Oakley. A roar of protest went up from the crowd. Rah! People were yelling, screaming. A roar, like a lion roars, of protest went up from the crowd. Why? Because they realized it was Annie. She was a girl. And, you know, in this time, the stereotype was girls couldn't shoot, especially not as well as the champion. The quick thinkers rushed to cover their bets. So people were betting on it. And if you put money on A. Oakley, and then you didn't know she was a woman, you run and then you bet some money on the other guy to balance out your bet. You can call this hedging your bet as well, to cover their bets. The others surged around the manager of the Gibson house, demanding that the match be called off. So they surged around. Surge is a sudden upward force or a sudden force. If you have an electrical outlet that receives too much electricity at one time, the surge protector will shut it off so that it doesn't fry your devices. That's called a surge protector. The match be called off. Call Calling something off is to cancel, to end it. Jesse Jago came up then, and for once he had forgotten to sheathe his rifle. So he forgot to cover his rifle. 
He handled it casually, almost carelessly. The hubbub died. So he came around and everyone was freaking out and he was just kind of reckless with his rifle. I think people got nervous that he was going to shoot one of them by accident. So everyone calmed down. The hubbub died. Hubbub is a bunch of noise like hubbub, 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 when a bunch of people are talking. The hubbub died. Jesse spoke softly as he always did. One of the conditions of the match was that it goes on exactly as scheduled no matter what A. Oakley looked like. So remember when he said providing, that was a condition. So one of the conditions was that it go on exactly as scheduled, no matter what A. Oakley looked like. There was a sharp protest, but it died quickly as Jesse made a particularly careless gesture with his rifle. Again, the crowd is nervous that he's going to shoot them by accident, but he's kind of doing it on purpose because he knows that it makes people be quiet. Get your gun, Annie, he said. The rest of the story is still told on winter nights when men are fondly cleaning their favorite rifles. Fondly. I mean, enjoying it. They're very fond of. They like to do it. The little girl from Backwoods, Ohio, fired shoulder to shoulder with the world's champion rifle shot, scoring hit for hit. So it's her and Frank Butler, her future husband. They're each shooting shot for shot. You go, I go, you go, I go. And they're each hitting. On the last round, the 100th, Frank Butler missed. Annie Oakley never missed. And that's the end. One note about the end of the story, which isn't in the story, but is implied, it's gesturing towards, it's pointed to, is that they both hit, so Frank hit 99, he missed the last one. My question to you is, do you think he meant to miss the last one, or did he just miss? If you want to, you can reach me, answer that question, or ask any question you want at Americanismspodcast at gmail.com.